Welcome to the Graphic Audio Behind the Mic podcast. These podcasts will feature author interviews and behind-the-scenes interviews with our cast, directors, and crew. Today's podcast features director Colleen Delaney's interview with author Lee Evans. In this interview, Colleen talks to Miss Evans about her Miss Walker series, which has been produced in Graphic Audio. Well, hi. How are you? I'm well, Lee. It's so good to speak to you again. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, for, for our listeners who don't know, uh, Lee and I are old hands at this this conversation thing. We, we had a, a false start with a, a technical glitch a couple few weeks ago, and now we are ready to present our deep, engaging, engaging. revealing, <laughs> revelatory conversation to the public, you. Oh. <laughs> oh, lucky them. I know. Oh, God bless. L- lucky them. <laughs> lucky all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, shoot. Hit me with a question. Oh, goodness. Well, I, I have to say, I mean, the, one of the pluses to getting to do this over is it is completely in retrospect of our production. Yes. So we have, Everything's done. Everything's out there. That's and, right. And smashing, smashing high five to you guys because super job just a super job i mean geez you made me sound almost like a really good writer oh (laughs) tush you (laughs) we certainly couldn't even get started without a great story i was i was thinking back to when i first met like this you know this world that you created and in particular the character of Hetty. Now, as the director of the series, I took the plum role for myself, which was Hetty, who was also the narrator. Well, thank you very much. But it was it was a blast because, well, a couple of things. I mean, I just remember that first scene in the coffee house, and there's all this sort of exposition where you're getting hints about Trowbridge and hints about the where and hints about the fey magic and Mary the amulet, and we're we're just getting all the little you know, layering in bits of exposition as we go, and uh, and her... That, that scene was rewritten about 18 times to get all that layers in. Oh, so my go. goodness. It wasn't like a first off. It was like, and back we are to those first five pages. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, who did you, who did you go to for feedback when, when you were working on your various drafts? I mean, you had... Oh, I was a lucky dog. Tell oh, me. Oh, I was a super lucky dog. So, okay, when I decided I was going to write a book, and, and, and uh, The Trouble with Fate is, is my first book. I'd never written anything other than a shopping list before that. Hmm. And so when I decided I was going to write a book, I, I went to school at the University of Toronto and took a whole bunch of continuing education courses in, in writing. And I met a few champs and a few losers there, I won't tell you the name of the loser, but boy, do I. <laughs> you are so discreetly. <laughs> Surprised they ever wrote again. <laughs> but I, I met I met a wonderful female mentor who, who who's now like a really super friend, and she is um, dark fantasist um, Caitlin Sweet, and she writes a wonderful, wonderful books that gets a, a lot of acclaim. But she also teaches. Mm. And so Caitlin, Caitlin and I uh, went through one of her courses when I was just trying to learn how to write short stories. And then, 
And then we used to meet to have like these drunken evenings at a restaurant afterwards. She just turned into a friend. And I said, you know, I, I, I think I'm starting to write a book. I'm not sure. I just, I wrote a few pages of something. She said, give it to me. And I gave it to her. And she said, all right, now let's write a book. And so she literally just read everything I wrote as it went along and would offer comments. And that was such, whew, what a gift, eh? I mean, seriously, what a gift. So that she, you know, she, she spurred me on to write in the real time. And I also had a mentor in the form of Charlene Harris, who, who when I got to the larger, who, you know, readers would know her from Sookie and, and your cemetery girls. You, you have produced your That's cemetery right. girls. That's right. Graphic right. audio listeners will know Charlene Harris from the Cemetery Girl, book one True of blood. which we've already produced, book two of which is in the pipeline. So Whoa, something to look stuff. forward to there. And graphic audio, sound surround, awesomeness. Yes, yes. And so uh, when I would hit like roadblocks, like, oh, my God, the big swampy middle, I'd write to Charlene and mm. say, well, I'm at the big swampy middle, and I just really want to walk away from this book and never write again. And yeah, 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 wine, 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 wine. And she'd go, now, yeah. And she'd write me a very firm little email, and I'd go back to writing again. So I, I was guided, shepherded by these wonderful women, and I'm really lucky. It's all about payback. You sort of look behind you and say, okay. I, was, I, I got that. Now I better look ahead and see if there's someone who needs my help. Exactly. What a gift. Yeah. That's so great. Well, yeah. now, it, it, did, was it a mixed bag, or did their feedback tend to come more in, like, it, were they just taking you back to first principles as a writer, now go solve the problem, or, like, pointing to this thing, pointing to this thing, this is my suggestion here, this is my suggestion there? Like, Mostly pointing to this thing. Uh, Charlene was bigger picture, like, okay. book doesn't get written unless you sit down and write. <laughs> <laughs> Very good advice. And, 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 and Caitlin uh, Sweet was more of a, you know, you kind of lost me in here. <laughs> gotcha. What, what were you trying to do in here? Oh, that's so helpful. And, and also, I, my, my first draft is very, very spare writing with very, very little descriptive elements because, you know, description takes time, and I was just trying to push it out. Mm-hmm. And so she would, she would force me to slow down mm-hmm. and write the descriptive elements. So I learned hugely from all that, and as well, critique groups, you just, and then, and you sent, I, then I sent it away to, when I was done, I sent it away to, um, to uh, someone in, in, in Toronto who, who, re- who read the whole book, and at one point put in the margins, uh, T-S-L, against something that a heady set, and I had to actually look it up. <laughs> To find out, man, too stupid to live, or whatever. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so I changed that line. <laughs> that was Chris Sago. I can't tell you the number of times I've had to go to a Google search, like, yeah. all right, what does and, and that's the fine T-O-D-R, you have to look it up to what? get insulted. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! But no, her advice was really good. That her advice was really good, and with every revision, and I did many, many revisions. I learned. That's so great. And uh, I mean, that uh, the book I gave Chris was not half as good as the book I ended up submitting for the contest that won me the agent. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, to take it back to where I started thinking about you, 
And your rewrites, or, you know, you said that, well, that first scene didn't get come out, like, (laughs) full-formed, like, like out of Zeus's head or something. No, no, no. (laughs) No brilliance over here. Well... Uh, what other gets you through the night? It was great, you know. And and I just remember like reading for the first time when you know we get the first big glimpse at her using magic, which is the first magic she really has used in her life since much younger years, right? Since right. the big crisis in her life. Um, it's in a coffee shop. It's a Starbucksy place. Her <laughs> her manager's been nipping at her heels she's mad at him snippy customers right pressure pressure right and so she has a little you know i guess a fey temper tantrum and on her way out the door like you know all these coffee beans go up like a volcano (laughs) and you know and and i just i mean i could hear the last bean drop to the floor you know and she's like oh i wonder how that that was weird you know all in a in a rush, we get this this giddy little. Oh, that was a fun scene. That oh was a fun, my goodness! But fun, fun thing to do in the scene. That was fun because both my kids, th- that was their their part time job working at Starbucks. So I got a whole oh. bunch of inside <laughs> inside I'll information. I bet. That's so yeah. great. I mean, I just love how we sort of, in one fell swoop, we learn a little bit more about her magic, and we learn about her sense of humor, and you know, and yes. and, and her character, all yes. in one. It's so delicious. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. That was fun. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. that was just a great way to kick off like the journey. Um, and it was a journey. It was. It's basically one long journey through the whole book, you know, and actually the whole series is a journey. Yeah. The whole series, I wanted to take someone who was who was not kick-ass, who wouldn't know what to do with a sword if it landed at her feet, mm. and, 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 and watch her develop into someone who who could be feasibly as as strong as any guy. And I, and I had to take her from sort of a broken point and move her up through each book as she gets stronger and stronger, and that was, that was my whole concept for the series. Right, yeah. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it panned out, but that's what I tried to do. Yeah. Well, I'd like to just sort of maybe some people are listening to this podcast prior to listening to any of our production. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of the people have, you know, listened to some, but not all. But I wanted to uh, drop in a little um, clip right here. This is from the first book. Our hero and heroine have met each other, but they haven't quite come to an accord yet. Um, Uh And this is a little scene they have. Um, it's the tail end of uh, a little head-to-head they have in a strip club. So let's we'll play oh, yeah. that, and then we'll come back and talk. Ugh, I'd steal Lou back if I knew where she was. I thought all the Alpha wanted was the amulet. Which is why you came looking for me. How'd you know I had one? You had it around your neck when you came through the kitchen door. You were still wearing it when you walked into my Starbucks. Who was the geezer with you? You were at Starbucks? All right, I'll take care of this. Give me the amulets. No. It wasn't a question, it was an order. And what will you do with them? Destroy them. I don't think so. He'll thank me for saving his soul later. I let the gun hang from my fingers for a moment, acknowledging its weight. Blew some air up at a strand of hair tickling my cheek. Then I stepped back from the bar and pointed it at him. You can't have Mary, and you need to come with me. Jesus, you can't bring a gun out in a... It's all right. It's all right. She's going to put it away and leave. Make me. 
Which, as it happens, is the wrong thing to say in a strip bar. There had been an instant before flying fists turned into flying bullets when I had glanced up and saw him. Not as Robbie or the Ware, not even as Trowbridge, just a beautiful man in glorious prime who was weaving effortlessly around the bouncer and some other guy who had stepped up to get an ass-whipping. Come on, you slow bastards! Over the bouncer's shoulder, he grinned. The stupid man was happy until some movement over my shoulder caught his attention. His face changed from happy to furious that fast. The stripper with the bar stool never got to use it on my spine. He was there, and then she was flying through the air. And then he glanced back at me with a look I knew very well. I was so surprised, I shot him. I just love that so many of your characters have these contradictions, as we all do in life. I mean, it's not all out of a a Punch and Judy show where you have, like, this character, this stock character who always behaves in this predictable way or this stock character who always behaves in this predictable way. I I love the the humanity and the complexity and the layers in the characters where it's like you want them to do the right thing, but sometimes they're just human. Like, um, yeah. You know, Hetty causes inadvertently this big fight to break out in a strip club. And, you know, there she is admiring Bridge in the fight. <laughs> like, that's a good time to appreciate someone's sexual appeal. That was one of those things that I actually saw. I, I actually saw him turn and, and, and look at her with that grin. And that, that was everything. That, that I actually saw. That was easy to write. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, the thing is, people are complex. And... and we do make wrong choices. And specifically, we make wrong choices in literature because otherwise the book ends real fast. So, you know, in literature, the character's going to make wrong choices because otherwise you don't have much of a book. But if everyone does the right thing, you know, right thing would have gone, you know, dial 911. Hello, my aunt's missing, you know. If everyone <laughs> does the right thing, the book is short. So exactly. there is a certain amount of, now, what trouble can I put them in now? But. Oh my gosh. And and speaking of the aunt, Aunt Lou for me was, I, I never quite knew where to put her all the way through to sort of the end of her story arc. Well, you can love someone bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, love I. love someone bad. You can love them like a dog can love someone who's a really bad dog owner. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, my, my, uh, my fiction crystal ball did not tell me the truth about Aunt Lou. Like, I kept expecting her to have, like, another card hidden up her sleeve, and, you know, it's going to turn out to be this altruistic thing, and it's like, well, it's a little more shaded no. than that. Not not an Auntie M. Right? <laughs> not an Auntie anti- M from uh, Wizard of Oz. Not exactly. an Auntie M. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So do do you get all your ideas just by being in the writer's routine, or, like, um... When and where have you gotten some of your best ideas? I... In the shower. Yes. <laughs> in the shower. A meditative time for you. And then, and then I had a really, really bad plot hole once, and I, I, I did a lot of vacuuming that day. I vacuumed the stairs really, really well, and about on the eighth stair, it finally came to me. It's doing the mundane stuff where sometimes you have to step away from the uh, the keyboard and, and just let... The mundane world flow of you. Do something routine, you know, just have a shower or yeah. clean the house or go for a drive. And, and somewhere in the midst of that, all those little cogs, all those little what-ifs suddenly coalesce into something like, I got it, I got it, I got it. 
and then you yeah. raise the keyboard and pound it out and hope that it, it hangs. Yeah. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've been so fascinated. In the last couple of years, there have been like some high-profile writer and musician conversations about creativity, like the muse, the capital M muse, and what you do when the muse strikes. Like, how do you woo the muse? How do you, like, what what can you do except remain uh, receptive to creative ideas and hope that they're in accord with you? I mean, it's it's like... Yeah, and sometimes they're not. Really. Write, write bad things until you can love them up, or... I mean, it's just so interesting like thrill, to me, thrill, the creative when process. I, when I saw Thrill, I was... Actually, it was an evening, and I was um, watching watching a W5, which is a... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, I'm Canadian, so I watch Canadian TV, and W5 mm-hmm. is like a news program. Like okay, one of and those um, investigative reports or something like that. You said you saw three all. This is the I like, and and there was it was on something like credit card, credit card, credit card fraud or something mundane like that. Okay, and all of a sudden, for no particular reason, I wasn't thinking about Hetty. I was just thinking about credit card. I can't pronounce that. Credit card fraud. Mm-hmm. And try saying that forty times fast. Oh, thank and you. then um, I saw her walking through three L. I just saw. Her. And my first response was, ooh, and all the hairs stood up on my arm. And then my second response is, oh, that would be bad. That would be so hard to write. Don't think that. No, 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 no. Don't think that. That would be so hard to write. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this whole other dimension where you had to make up new physics and new rules of play. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. But on the, the plus side of that is no one else can make up those rules, right? That's right. So no one can say what you've written is wrong. no because oh no that's not how it works in 3L you go yeah prove it (laughs) that's the plus side that's the good side about writing fantasy no one can say magic is is this way because well in your books magic is that way right yeah so what do you do when you're at your keyboard and you're I file my nails sometimes (laughs) no sometimes if I can't figure out what I'm doing I I have a pink emery board and I just sit there staring at the words filing my nails nice I um I talk to my cat who sits on a big a big wicker basket beside my um my keyboard I um I talk to my dog who sits by my feet Mm -hmm. I swirl around in the chair I think moodily about getting up and eating every tub of ice cream in the freezer. Um, <laughs> I do all that sort of stuff, and then eventually I just I just buckle down. That's the thing. you got to buckle down, and you just have to do it. You just have to do it, knowing that sometimes the words are just going to be thrown on the wall like raw mud, and you're going to have to spend a lot of time troweling into a smooth finish. That's Just do it. So when your inner critic crops up, you just... Oh, hell, I wish that bitch would shut up. Oh, right? So how do you respond to her? Um, whimper. I whimper a lot, yes. Grovel. Oh. Grovel and whimper. <laughs> I'm not good on that. I, I'm not good on that. That is my big, my big plum. I've got, I am more critical of myself than anyone else would be critical of. Mm. I'm, I'm sure. Well, maybe not. I've, I've, there is a very nasty person on Goodreads who gave me one, and I'm sure that that person thought I was worse than I think I am. But mm. on the whole, I'm really, really critical of myself, and that's that's a real... Geez, I wish I could shut that, that voice up. That's a hard thing to get past. Deadlines help. Deadlines help very, very, very much with that. Mm. There's got to be a point where you have to, you, you know, in desperation, you just have to... 
keep writing, <laughs> keep writing, <laughs> keep writing, so I can go out. But yeah, that's part of the that's part of the deal. That's part of the deal. And I was so lucky, you know. I mean, geez, I was lucky. I I I I thought one day, geez, I'm fifty and I'm old, and I I think I'm going to write a book before I die. And I got not only to write a book, but write four, and I wrote the entire story of this girl. Mm. Evolution, and I, I consider that super duper lucky. Mm-hmm. I'm a lucky puppy. Well, uh, uh, call me naive, pie in the sky optimist, but I am aghast that that you, in the same breath, you say at fifty, and then later in the sentence came before I die. <laughs> please, please don't tell no me you feel like you're on I death's I door. I was a slower writer than I actually was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And I sort of envisioned something like War and Peace, a lot more, a lot more highbrow. <laughs> You're now more public than you were when you hadn't yeah. published, you know, yes. four popular books. So what, what's one of the biggest changes you feel has occurred since you became more public? Like, I'm sure you still feel like very much the same person. I'm sure you very are much the same person. However, the world interacts with you a little differently from time to time, and I wonder what the biggest change feels like to you. Uh, the, there's two big changes. One, it's, it's, I can't tell you how enjoyable it is for an author to meet someone who's read their book and, and, and has truly enjoyed it. Hmm. And when you see that gleam in their eye, I, you know, I, I never know what to say, but in, inside I'm turning cartwheels. I'm just doing little cartwheels all the way down the hall. I'm mm-hmm. just so happy. Mm-hmm. It's it, That, never be, if you're a reader, and, and as long as the person's not sitting there eating dinner with their family, and it, you know, never be afraid to say, wow, I've read XXX book, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That will really make the reader's day, uh, the, the author's day. But the other big biggie is, I'm a reader, right? <laughs> I read tons. Mm-hmm. I love books. Mm-hmm. I love authors, and I've got to meet so many great ones oh. as 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 a you know as another writer, and that's a whole different thing. It's a I whew, I you know I get fan struck sometimes. I, I've I've made a big sobbing wreck of myself in front of a couple of authors. Just so thrilled to have met them because you know we turn to books. When we're, we're we're tired and when we want we want a respite from our world, or we turn to books when we're looking for inspiration, and we turn to books because we're deep friends, or we turn to books because we're at that point in our life where we're just sort of searching for something, and and it's a wonderful experience to dive into someone else's world, providing you like that world, mm-hmm. and and just be someone else for a while. So I get it. I really get it. I feel that way about. I felt that way about Charlene's books. I feel that way about many writers. I wish I could go back in time and met C.S. Forrester because I love Hornblower. You know, there's there's many there's many beautiful stories I've read and enjoyed, yeah. and I get that. There you go. That's the best part. But most of the time, I just sort of in this office, surrounded by cat, dog, coffee cups, <laughs> litter. I see you there. I do. I do. Yeah. So you shared with me recently that you had begun to study painting. Yes. I want to hear more because I, you? you know, yeah. Well, yes, I do. I do. Because okay. Well, remember, I'm old. I'm 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 slightly above the same age as Medusa, right? <laughs> <laughs> so 
I hadn't drawn in, since high school, which is many, many decades ago. So I, I decided, you know what? I want to flex another eye. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to figure out how to actually draw. Now I am, I am sort of, I can sketch. Uh, matter of fact, when my son was, oh, I think six, and he threw a baseball in his bedroom, and he he was playing hockey with a baseball. I forget it. Whatever he. <laughs> He dinged the, the, the drywall so badly he left a ball-sized hole in it, and he was all freaked out because Dad was going to be sort of upset about patching it up. And I said, no, no, don't worry about it. And I took a pencil, and I just drew a tree around and made a knot hole of that, that hole and then drew a tree on the wall. And then six months later, he had an entirely hand-painted room that we had scarfed from Walt Disney World and Pooh Bear and everything else. Oh, my gosh. So, like... I, I can do that stuff, but I'm untrained. I wanted to understand perspective and value. I wanted to understand it like I understood it. I'm learning to understand writing. Yes. So I've gone back to school for that just four hours a week, and I, I'm sketching. I'm sketching, and I'm shading, and I'm sketching. And whining, pitifully, pitifully whining when you put <laughs> the, uh, the guy puts something that's hard to draw on from his class. Oh. <laughs> That's marvelous, though. But 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 so now, are you still living in the same house that had the drywall hole in it and the? No, no. Um, that was the family home, and I, in the last couple of years, I've uh, gone through a divorce and the whole shebang. So now I'm living in, in in a townhome, and uh, it's 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 sort of fun. But there's nothing painted on the walls. And when you were fixing to sell that home, was the tree still there? Did you have to like patch it? No, you know what? When my son got about. We, that was the family home, so we'd been there for like a couple of decades. Yeah. And when my son got to the point where he was, um, I think, nine, he said one day, "Mommy, I'm too, Mom, I'm too old for, for, for fairies on the wall." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You're right." <laughs> Maybe it was eight. I can't remember. He was so short. He was a short person, mm. and so we went and got some primer, and we, he and I, painted it all over. One day, we just. We took pictures as he, he painted the wall. We just <laughs> painted it off because it it wasn't about preserving the art. It was about he and I painted that together. He'd say, Mom, I want a bear over there, and I'd paint the bear. Yeah. So and now he wanted to go in to be a, the man that he became, and so we hmm. draw, primed it and painted it, and there you go. Very good. Most of art is, is, is not permanent, unless it's you're talking about masters. Hmm. I always thought the books I enjoyed and read would always be out there, but they're not. <laughs> you know, the books, yes. books have a, a lifespan, uh, making space for new books. That's right. So I don't consider art permanent anymore <laughs> of any nature, except unless, of course, you're a master. You know, there you go. My, my philosophy on art. <laughs> hmm. You and I have spoken a couple of times about the character of Cordelia. Um, I love Cordelia. Yeah, you've said. You've said. And, and we were pleased to kind of have cast it in a way that, that you know, sort of matched your imagination. Because, I mean, especially with our, you oh, know, our babies. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> His name again is? Uh, Gregory Lennington. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's, he's Cornelia, Cordelia walking yeah. across the room. Oh, my God. He's, he's perfect. He's perfect. He's got it perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I told you before, like, I, I, I had always had in my mind, like, whoever I cast, I'll just pitch him up a little bit because he'll have practiced a higher, lighter tone to his voice. And mm-hmm. um, as well, so for those who haven't begun listening, Cordelia is a, a, a transgender woman. So I cast it with a male actor who just yes. lightened his voice up in, in a sort of a more feminine presentation. But I and did not. That's no- always what I saw. Yeah, yeah, unexpectedly, I did no pitching at all to uh, Gregory's voice, and it came out in a way that seemed right to me and, and seemed right to Lee as well, and that was a relief. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, because she's such a, Cordelia ends up being such a strong heartbeat in, 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 the, in the overall series. Yes. You know, the touchstone. So, I, and I didn't really see that. She was just a walk-on part at, mm. at the beginning. But she, she just sort of walked in and refused to walk out. Well, of course she would. Hmm. <laughs> She's great, and he did a wonderful job. I, I totally enjoyed that. I just totally enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, on the one hand, I also do I, – I narrate conventional audiobooks, so I wind up being the narrator and all the voices in it, just like in a regular non-graphic audio audiobook. I do these for uh, books for the blind. And so I oh, have that, to do someone – I enjoy doing it, and I'm, I'm. My mother was blind, so I really I know what a wonderful thing that is. So yes, go it, you. Well, it's a it's a it's a privilege that I enjoy, and and I kind of have to get over myself when I'm doing, well, really any kind of accent because I'm relatively facile at accents, but a southern accent may not sound like a person from that county in that state. Right. Or a British accent may not sound like a person from that town in that county. It won't pull the person from the county. But right. It, it and, won't pull the rest of the world. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, when I have to do African-American characters, all I can do as a voice actor is just sort of commit to a dialect or a voice or a character right. choice and represent it as honestly as I can others. But I'll confess, at times, particularly, I I do and I don't know why, when it comes to, like, a black character, I feel bad that I am not more authentically that, right? But you're one voice. In those books, you're one voice. Whereas well, graphic just... audio gives you that wondrous, wondrous ability to cast multiple voices and to add in sound effects, to give that to really fulfill what you say, you know, a movie in your mind. You really, you guys deliver on that with all those voices. <laughs> well, it's it's exciting to us to draw on so much talent, um, you know, in our local actor pool. But um, it's it, like when it is incumbent upon me to do uh, storytelling, as in my example, for African-Americans, it feels like an extra responsibility. Like, I'm not that and I want to get it right. And to circle back on Cordelia, it's interesting. Was I worried about that? Well, I mean, just... Yeah, I was. I super was. Right, because, uh, And there weren't you many know, transgender books out there. Now, transgender is something that's in the news now. It has become so remember, in the I interim. I by six years ago. Six that's right. Six years ago, probably. That's right. And it wasn't. This was just... It wasn't. I think there was, on Amazon, two books available for, for getting that right. And, uh... And, and and I really did worry about it. I, I read, and I did actually try to contact uh, someone in the... Uh, my daughter works in, in the industry, uh, uh, in the... Um, uh, what would you call it? Not film industry, but similar along that lines. And she had contacts in the art, art 
in the entertainment world, and I did try to get in contact with someone, but it's really hard to, to nail when you're, you know, live in suburbia and she's working odd hours and uh, off Church Street. So I, I never ended up speaking to someone. I just decided that the, what, what, however she felt herself as a sexual person didn't really matter. And I, maybe I'm wrong on that, and, and I'm going to get mail on this, but I, I didn't really matter. The heart of it is Cordelia is a person. Right. Cordelia is Cordelia. She's one in a million. She's Cordelia. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote it. I Once I embraced that and said, I don't really, I'm not even going to imagine her sex life. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. It's, that's not how I'm seeing her. I'm seeing her as Cordelia. Right. And in fact, we, we never even... I yeah. mean, her sex life is irrelevant. I mean, the only thing we do touch upon is gender identity, and you only right. you just take that at face value. Yeah, because that's who she is. It's mm-hmm. just, and I don't know why she turned out to be that in in, in the book. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea, but she just did. She just walked on the page like that, you know. Yeah, and uh, and so it really doesn't really matter. Cordelia's Cordelia, and I just love Cordelia. I do She's too. Got, you know. Even if she didn't have balls, she'd have balls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to that and so many other examples where it's like, I don't know. There's no one to ask. I just have to trust my creative vision. I just have to trust Yeah. And if I make mistakes, I'm really sorry. (laughs) No, I am. Because, no, I am. If I make mistakes, I I am really sorry. And and I'd be interested in hearing, hearing that, you know. So I, I don't know if I'm going to write any more Cordelia stories, but I'd be interested in hearing that. Yeah. And I do have an idea of, of, of Cordelia's life now, and I do have a Cordelia's idea of what happened to Cordelia in the past. Hmm. So she's a fully formed character to me. But I never walked into the bedroom with her because I didn't think it was relevant. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Now, you, you did a smashing job of Eddie because... At first, the first time I listened, I'm not sure if they, have you mentioned that you, you are Hetty? Yes, you I mentioned did. that, right? I did. The, the first time I listened, I was I was filled with trepidation because I thought, you know, Hetty's, Hetty's my voice. Mm. <laughs> she, she speaks in my tone. <laughs> What's that going to be like? And then and then I heard your voice, and I heard the way you you delivered the line, and I heard the way you would come back. And I thought, I love this. This is, this is not what I, what I, what I wrote. But this is, this is, you gave a new life to Hetty, and I am completely on board with it. I think you did a wonderful job of it. I, she's alive. You did a great job. I thought, you know, I get a little bored of my own voice, but I love hearing you, you say Hetty's lines and you breathe life into Hetty and, and bring a new element to her. I think you did an amazing job. Oh, Lee, thank you. That could not be more gratifying to hear, really, because it's, you know, it's a delicate handoff. This, you know, was, it, it, it is your book, and you handed it off to Graphic Audio to make the Graphic Audio, which is not your book. It is an adaptation of your book. So right. there's there's just, you know, it's it's got a new form, and, and it can be... And a new life. Yeah. And a new life. Yeah. 
Well, and 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 for that, I'm I'm very grateful because you know any broadening of the audience we can do to let them in on this great story and this great world of characters, I feel like so much the better. Like, uh, know, meet them however you might. Ah, gee. Ah, gee. Ah, shucks. Ah, gee. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your, did you have a particular uh, scene that was your your, your, your toughest to, to actually voice? Did you have a scene you thought, oh man, I don't know how to do this one? Mm. You know, it's it's tough for me to go back and specifically pull out a scene. I, right. I, I, I will say it always feels like, you know, say, you know, a, a scene with Lexi where you're like teasing apart the past and... There are many emotions in play, like she's mad at him and she feels hurt by him. And it's a delicate thing, you know, to not to um, to stay true to um, what she's bringing into the scene without having it be a kind of an I feel sorry for myself one note or I am mad at you one note or. Yes, yes. And you did a great job. The scenes, the scenes where you and and Lexi are, are are. you know, facing off each other, they they really are electrifying. They, for me, anyhow, they uh, they really, again, hair stood up on one of them. I thought, whoa, yeah, <laughs> hey, I did a pretty good job performing that scene. Wow, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, they, you you guys really delivered on that. There was, yeah. Well, as you can sh- see, I'm a real fan of graphic audio. <laughs> I'm, I'm going around telling everyone, yeah, you're gonna get popped <laughs> by graphic audio. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, a big shout-out to uh, Matthew Bassett, who played Lexi. Um, yeah, that was fun. And then and then, sort of in the later book, um, we, we got more into... He just... I played a little bit of Terrence Aselford as the old mage. And so when Lexi would have to inhabit you know it's like on the page it's just of course it's the old mage speaking through lexi and as a director of graphic audio i have to decide like okay so that's going to be the lexi actor speaking right so is he going to sound like him is he going to is he going to have the old (laughs) mage thinking good luck with that (laughs) well we kind of we wound up with like uh, a watered-down impersonation of the old mage as voiced by the Lexi actor. So, you know, that just was what it was. But it felt appropriate at the time. It yes. seemed like good storytelling at the time. Yes, so. it did. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and then, and then of course, we had all those, um, the, the two amulets who had a ton to say, but no words with which to say them until, of course... At the very end, when Mary took on new form. Yeah, that surprised me. That was like, whoa, Mary talks. Okay. Yeah, because you wrote that. (laughs) I didn't write that. Okay. (laughs) You totally wrote that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, it's just nuts. Like, how many variations on the theme? Like, "Hmm? now I'm mad at you. I'm surprised. I'm hopping down. The zip line. The zip line. (laughs) The zip line must have been fun. (laughs) I know. And the questions the sound designer would come back at me with, like, okay, so. So exactly how does an amulet sound when it's muttering between two boobs? (laughs) Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Yeah. Well. We're all delighted to, <laughs> to uh, have such fun, creative problems to grapple with. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, she would never have been spent so much time tucked in the bra if I hadn't had at that particular time 
the habit of tucking my BlackBerry in my bra when I would need both hands free. So when I'd be at conventions, I'd have my BlackBerry tucked in my bra, and it became a joke among friends that my left boob was ringing. So yes. that's sort of why <laughs> why she became tucked in the bra quite frequently. It's yes. sort of an inside joke. This is the way. I mean, it, the, the women must tell you got no pockets. You got no what do you no, no utility you know, you, belt. You're, you're moving fast to a convention, and you have no pockets. And women's oh pants word. frequently have no pockets. Yeah. We can't bring back the fanny pack. We got to do something. Oh gosh, no! Oh gosh, no! Never a fan of that. No. Never a fan of the fanny pack. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. It was great to talk to you as always. All right, Lee. Well, until our next collaboration, then. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks again. Take care. You too. We would like to thank Lee Evans for taking the time to talk to us. The four books in the Miss Walker series, The Trouble with Fate, The Thing About Wares, The Problem with Promises, and The Danger of Destiny are all now available. For more information on how to purchase our graphic audio titles, please call us at 1-800-670-5220 or visit us on the web at www.graphicaudio.net where you can purchase our titles in audio CD format or in one of our download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. And you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free graphic audio access app available for Apple and Android devices. Make sure you sign up for our e-newsletter, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter.